Welcome back to another episode of the All Music Is Good podcast, the podcast that takes a deep dive into four recent releases. We get right in there to try and work out what's great and sometimes not so great about each one. This week we'll be looking at albums from The Avalanches, Little Dragon, Leah Flanagan and Fleet Foxes. But before we get into episode 16, is it? Or 15? Could be sweet 16. Don't know if it is. I'll have to go back and look at that. Let me say hello to a man who I won't kick when he's down as he was supposed to be playing a major show at the Sydney Festival a few weeks back, but due to COVID travel issues, that got canned. But I know he's had a few wins in recent times, so rather than upping my neg game in 2021, I'm just going to leave it alone until at least the second episode. Back for the year and start by saying Happy New Year and welcome back to the hustle master himself, Arik Bloom. Arik, welcome back. Thank you, Waza. Thank you. It's uh, it's good to be back. We say Shana Tova in my language. It means uh, Happy New Year in, in Hebrew. Hmm. But we don't say it in January. Do you uh, say it to other non... Yeah, 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 yeah. There's no rules around that. We can... That, that's one secular. Of, that's one of the things that we don't keep secret. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes, Shana Tova, Happy New Year. Uh, first episode back. I've had a wonderful summer. Um, I guess uh, to summarise... I guess what I've done, I, uh, I, as, you, as you said, I got a show cancelled in Sydney. I had some really great plans, which involved a plan A, plan B and plan C, which, you know, you've always taught me is the best way to organise your life. Yes. So plan A was fly up five days before the show because preparation is everything, according to James Hurd, if you read that in his autobiography. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get up there five days prior and just get our head in the game. Then uh, that got canned because Jetstar cancelled our flights and, of course, the borders weren't open. Um, then I had this credit to buy, like, another flight and, uh, unfortunately, uh, that never happened. And then, finally, I, the final plan C, which was kind of like the swingman, you know, in the, in the final quarter from full back to full forward, was we were going to drive up at 5 a.m. Um, 12 hours prior to the show, just in the hope... That the gig would happen, but alas, 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 Dan said it's not happening, and uh, we weren't able to play the show. But look, you know, hopefully we'll be able to play again in Sydney in the future. Um, when did they take restrictions off? It's just been this week, hasn't it? So you wouldn't have missed out by much. No, it's only been a week. No, we missed out by a week. Mm. But uh, you know, it's a it's a game of inches. It's probably a shit gig anyway. Yeah, Sydney Festival. Come on, Wiser. I'm joking. All festivals are good. All festivals are good. Look, you know, any time I'm sort of, uh, you know, need a bit of inspiration and just to kind of remind myself the fickleness and futility of life, I uh, I tend to watch Al Pacino's, um, uh, uh, what is it, Game of Inches <laughs> speech mm. in any given Sunday. Mm. I've never like, seen that. Oh, well, you know, maybe maybe that might make it into was, a podcast one day. I was more a Varsity Blues type of guy. Yeah. No, you, you <laughs> Says would, a lot, doesn't it? does say a lot. <laughs> um, but look, th- look, that was cool. What else happened? Lots of studio stuff. Um, yeah, artists seem to be kind of emerging from the woodwork post-COVID. So I was I was in uh, in my studio actually a lot in the summer, which is pretty cool. Hmm. Boxing uh, was okay. Um, would have liked to train harder. But, uh, you know... You can't you can't demand your coach to just not have a holiday. So, 
<laughs> that was bastard. Yeah, that was that was tricky. But look, mate, all good. What about you? What did you get up to over summer? Um, well, unlike you with your jet star debacle, I decided to uh, virgin it, as we know that we all should do as good musicians. And uh, I don't know. Did you? Do you? Oh, I'll ask. I guess later. But um, taking the uh, the Virgin Lounge at Melbourne is now shut, and they're putting you in the Platinum Lounge instead. So you know, there's that secret elevator that goes up to the. I think it's called Platinum Lounge. I don't know. Well, you the know, one that like you, I I did see a couple of really well known musicians taking the elevator up there one day while I was left to walk to the plebs. Virgin Lounge. Anyway, I went to the Platinum Lounge to go to the Sunshine Coast for two weeks, and that was awesome. Um, Did you get your toaster sandwiches in? Uh, look, the kitchen wasn't open. It was just muffins and coffee. So, look, you know, that was a thing. To get out of Melbourne was a good thing. Uh, two weeks on the sunny coast. Uh, had a bit of quarantine action for, for 16 hours one day. Um, lucky to not get caught up in Brisbane. Did you get a chance to visit the Budrum Tavern? Look... That's a point of contention. You know, we were supposed to do our first podcast for the year with Benza, and he cancelled on us like multiple times. It's um, true. So, look, I went near the Budron Tavern. I went to the um, BWS next to the Budron Tavern. I went to the Woolworths next to the Budron Tavern, but I didn't go into the Budron Tavern. Okay. Um, went up to Noosa. You know, just 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 summer stuff. That's that's my regular summer. So that was really nice. And I think I've only actually worked four days in January. So. It's been really good. I feel really refreshed and ready to get back into the year. Speaking of which, did you did you do some listening to music over over your break? Like maybe no non twenty twenty releases. Anything pop out for you? Mm, no, no, no. <laughs> what about you? What about me? Uh, I'm just trying to think if I did any kind of revisit. I actually, I did actually. I, um, this is not to do with the podcast, but I will just chuck it in there. Um, I uh, I found this amazing artist from. Um, it was sent to me by a friend, and then I just kind of went deep dive, dive, deep dove into it. And his name is Charlie Magira, and uh, he's kind of like this, you know. I, I mean, it's very rare, actually. <clears throat> I'm keeping it super like Israel focused today. I don't mean to, but um, this dude's an Israeli artist from Jerusalem, like the Jerusalem underground, of which there's about seven people yeah, right. that are in the Jerusalem <laughs> underground. But this guy, his name's Charlie Magira, who's in the Jerusalem underground put a record out in 2018 and it's kind of like Johnny Cash meets King Cruel in Hebrew and it's oh, wild. Okay. Um, so anyways, we'll talk about that in, in the break. But let's talk 2020, shall we? Sorry, 2021. 2021. Oh, actually, I did watch Cobra Kai from oh, start no, to finish. That's a good film. No, it's not a film, it's a series. Well, yeah, that's TV true. Series. It's that's three, three series of uh, 15 episodes each. It was really good. Um, TV, mainly not music. Anyway, um, let's get into it, shall we? Let's do it. All right, so... Um, let's introduce our first guest of the week. Like, Eric, we had such an awesome cross-section of guests last year, and they were also giving with their time, and we've already made our guest tonight sit here for an hour while you set up. But I think out of, like, all the things that came out of doing this podcast, um, for me, meeting new people, chatting music with creatives at the top of their game, like, that was an unexpected bonus and something I didn't consider would even be a thing when we started doing this. So... Speaking of top of their game, and I'm really concentrating on my segues this you're, year. You're introducing me again, aren't you? <laughs> um, our special guest tonight, he has degrees, multiple degrees. In, well, this is according to his website. Who knows if it's true? If Ryan Munro's been on it, maybe he's altered it all. But um, he's got degrees in arts, commerce and law. 
He's worked as a commercial lawyer and began private practice 10 years ago. Was it 10 years ago? You can tell us. Um, he specialises in commercial law, arts, entertainment and media law. He served on the boards of the Arena Theatre Company and the West Australian Music Association. He's previous president of Music Victoria. He's also, I recently discovered, wielded the axe in a number of bands on the WA scene. And as a West Aussie who's recently returned from holiday there, I bet he's happy to be back in Melbourne right now. Can I say a warm hello to everyone's favourite entertainment guru, Andrew Fuller. Andrew, welcome. Hi, guys. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you. Lovely to be behind the mic, but uh, in front of two men behind the myths. Um, men in singlet. One men in singlet. Um, mate, it's, it's a pretty established fact on this show that we don't take things too seriously. But it's 2021. We have you at the desk. This is our second ever live podcast um so before we talk albums like talk us through your 2020 like how was it for someone working on the uh the corporate commercial side of things uh with with nothing going on ah uh, look 2020 was an okay year for me apart from the fact that i had knee surgery and um <sighs> had four horrible months there in the middle um what what uh, what what knee surgery did you have i just had like a Old age slash bad genes. ACL? Uh, it was like an arthroscopic clean. Okay, arthroscopic. Without getting into too much detail. Meniscus it, clean. It was yeah. a complete drag. Oh. But um, fortunately, um, the work allows me to sort of crutch to the desk. And I must say that the work of mainly my producer and hip-hop clients, um, there was a lot of that stuff going on in 2020. Hip hop um, gets lots of streams and yeah, yep. Well, hip hop has dominated charts for twenty years, effectively, but more Australia has you know the burgeoning yes, hip hop scene. Absolutely, there's a definitely a, a, a resurgence of the Western Sydney hip hop scene. Well, a lot of suburban hip hop scene, isn't it? Like, there's like a real underground. Yeah, well, there's a lot of stuff happening in Melbourne too, of course, out in the, in the um, sort the of north and west, out isn't of it? South and, and the Narrow south, Warren. yeah. yeah. There's a, it's an amazing scene. There's a lot going on. A lot of um, um, entrepreneurial people out there. It's, uh, it's wonderful working with them all. So I'm fortunate to get that kind of work. And it's been, um, yeah, it's been a good time. There's been a little bit of, you know, all the things you do when you're in lockdown and um, at home, like buying wine online, <laughs> watching yeah. lots of concerts, lots of streamed concerts from really? everywhere. Now, I dare say... We we ha- you are not the first legal professional that we've had on this show. We've had a uh, another a man with legal acumen, um, Benza, who we mentioned earlier. Um, ben Rinderman from Ben, ben Rinderman from LR Legal. Um, I dare say that you might approach your answers with a more <laughs> better jurisprudence. <laughs> I think that's the right word, as uh, as our resident legal expert Ben Ben Rinderman uh, did. Great lawyer, FYI, Benza, do not sue us. Absolute gun at his game, but I think what terms and conditions being applied. Terms and terms and conditions <laughs> yeah, being applied, right. but uh, look, I mean this. This might be just a point of interest for me or and, and Waza, but look, who knows who listens to this podcast, but were there any new like legal kind of... Um, uh, like, uh, what are they called? I guess like issues that came out in a COVID environment in particular that might be like something that someone who's interested in music might 
going, oh, fuck that. Actually, I never, th- never thought about it like that. Well, look, the first thing that happened with COVID was everybody went and started looking at their force majeure clauses yeah, of their yeah. contracts. <laughs> or if they didn't have a force majeure clause yeah, in the yeah. contract, contract asking if they could just use force majeure. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, there, there was a lot of that going on, actually. I think yes. I may have even done some of that. But clauses that previously were just this sort of part of the boilerplate and the, yeah, yeah, let's get this thing done. Yeah suddenly became um, important and still are. So even now that we have the contracts and it's particularly with the promoters that I work with, Mm. um, it's looking at putting in that sort of COVID kind of clause. The general sort of... What's the COVID clause look like? Is that, are we talking about moving forward or...? Uh, Yeah, well, sort of, I guess, you know, obviously promoters don't want to have to pay too much if something's come out of it. So... I think that most promoters are willing to to sort of pay ten percent. Um, so if they if they paid more as a deposit, they'd like to get some of it back. So the artist keeps ten percent. So they think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, so look, it depends. If you're an agent, you probably have a different point of view. But most that's that's where that's where the promoters and the and the festivals are kind of looking. And from a point of view of like you know everyone talks about the music industry is like something that's you know, fast paced, fast environment. Was um was that was from your end of things was it similarly fast paced like I would imagine lots of people would have been kind of having to do things on, on the real f- on like you know this is a new thing and we need to get it solved that kind of thing was there was there an opportunity I guess the question is was there an opportunity to <laughs> kind of well, was there an opportunity to kind of like you know lots of sectors were able to kind of just chill a little bit and just regroup but I imagine there'd be a, there would have been an array of things that would have kept you like really busy kind of having to answer you know, or just activate or execute or whatever. Yeah. Look, I mean, everybody wants everything quick and mm. fast and cheap. Yeah. And um, so you have to temper expectations. But look, generally 2020 was a very busy year for me. And yeah, it was one of the, the, the most busiest years for my practice. So where do we think it's, uh, where do we think it's at? Like, you know, the industry, are we thinking that we're bouncing back this year? Do you reckon... Um, where I mean, you know, like the the things that I think about are, are venues, and you know, obviously maybe festivals can be you know make a comeback because of you know especially open air festivals, but you know smaller venues that sort of stuff. Do you, what do you reckon? Do you think that's that's a bounce back sort of thing, or are we going to take a long time? Or well, it depends on how long it's going to take to roll out those vaccines. I think the vaccines going to be the uh, the panacea for everyone. Yeah. Um, obviously, everybody needs to be vaccinated for it to work. But uh, you know, I've already—I was fortunate enough to go to um, two of the Malthouse outdoor shows this weekend. Yeah, I saw yeah. Surprise oh, awesome. Chef and our RVG both were sublime experiences. It was lovely to be at an outdoor gig, seeing quality bands. What was the? Um, how many people could go in that venue? Uh, I'm not. Do you know what? I, I, I wouldn't have any idea what the numbers were. Was it spaced? Maybe three hundred. Yeah, it was sort of. People were all sitting at tables, um, spaced out from each other, and you could order your food off the QR code. It's it nice looks to, awesome. Nice but to see a QR code actually having yeah. a use. Yes. 2020. 2020. No, 2021. Yeah. I, I, I should love say, shares in QR code I, companies a year ago. I um, I went to – I used to spend about a month a year in Taipei, and, um, and, and there were QR codes everywhere for everything, and it was this incredibly, like – awesome system and 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 then there was this moment where you know i was like maybe qr codes could happen and i remember putting putting a qr code on a poster for a gig once and 
absolutely nothing. But now we're like the QR code kind of just we're like we pray at the shrine of the QR code. Yes, yeah, so I was at a restaurant last week, and because there's no menus, it's uh, you're given a QR code, and it's you so good. get it off your phone and peruse the wine list and order the food, and it's um it's good. No use of paper and no touching. We um I reckon I went to Arik's uh, birthday celebration at a hotel. She was that's right, and it was all QR. It was all point, Very, point and go. QR heavy. It was awesome. And then just turned up at your table like, this is the future. Yeah. Come on. So, yeah, it looks like there are a few gigs happening again. Um, uh, I, mean, I think I've been to like four gigs so far this year. I've been to, I saw Hayley Mary at the Thornbury Theatre. Uh, I saw Surprise Chef and RVG. And I saw somebody else who I cannot recall right now. Did you feel good or did you feel weird at the gig? No, I felt good. Yeah. That's no, amazing. I felt, uh, Felt good. I mean, they were all sort of you know limited um, capacity yeah. and the like. And is the uh, vibe still there? Like, I I mean, had a, what's going to happen post summer when we can't do this? Like, you know, is this going to be a thing? I don't know. I look. I can share that. I, I've been to a few shows so far, and like the first show, I went to a hip hop show. It was a birds show at the Laundry. Amazing gig, and I was properly just really uncomfortable. Like, there was something in me that was really uncomfortable about crowds suddenly, and I'm yeah. like, this is, feels. Like that's an unnatural feeling for me, um, as you know. I love I love being around people, but like that was a that was a weird environment. And I went to a music bowl show, which they've done an amazing job over there. It's really really great. But again, there was this kind of like weird. There's this weird energy going on. So who knows what's going to happen? I mean, I just wonder if was? I just wonder if it, you know if the vaccine doesn't come in a timely manner. How long can venues continue to operate? Um, with, you know, knowing how fine profit margins are in this industry, you know, how long can these guys keep going at limited seating, limited capacity, all that sort of stuff? Like, I, I worry about, like, I'm not super, I'm a super optimistic guy generally, but like, I, I have, you know, I have concerns that, you know, this could, you know, permanently, you know, damage things long term. But, you know, we'll see. Hope, Let, hope I'm wrong. Yeah, let's see. I, I really hope that the government will help support these venues. Um, my local is a tramway, and I would love to see that place. Great burger. Keep going. Oh, yeah, the jackfruit burger there is <laughs> fantastic. Jackfruit burger. Delicious. Really? Oh, yes. All time. Really? Um, yep. So places like that. I mean, that, you know, the city of Yarra has allowed for more outdoor seating to make up for the lack of indoor seating. Yeah. So I guess, you know, the, the councils are coming to the party a bit. And, you know, you see everywhere how shop um, car car parking spots have been become outdoor areas. It's for, awesome. Which is fantastic. And let's hope that stays. Well, I mean, we've got winter coming. I mean, it's been a shit. The Melbourne winter is summer. coming. Uh, so look. The second strain. Fig- <laughs> fingers, look, fingers crossed. Like, I it's hope, only the 1st of February. What are you talking about? Look, winter is coming. Yeah, have, look, have, look, look, I haven't been in Melbourne. Waza lives in a permanent state of autumn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do like it's always autumn, looking, looking at winter. Shade of the winter. Winter's it's always pre-season, Eric, yeah. in my world. That's true. <laughs> it's all about football with you, isn't it? it? Well, look, you know, there is there is an element of of sport that we've we've explored, uh, but we try and keep the sport down to Liz Stringer episodes only. Um, so, look, I was going to bring that up with you guys, actually. I was, uh, you know, the whole thing, the rating of music. It sort of made me think of that regurgitator song, Music is Sport. Oh, um, well. Uncool rating look, music. Potentially, I, I dare say maybe the two of you are tapping into a profound. 
prophetic kind of an energy right now. But let, let I might just uh, I might just stop talking. And well, we we should maybe discuss um, quickly before we keep moving forward. Andrews, you know, obviously we we all know what he's done on a on a corporate sense, but maybe like. Talk us through your music career, Andrea. That's what all my the personal music career. Your personal yeah, music career. You know, well, I was a guitar player, and then I was a bass player, and I played in bands, and I've toured Europe a few times, and you know, I did all that, and then I realised I was going to be poor if I kept going that way. <laughs> what, so what age went, did you realise that? <laughs> at thirty. Oh, that's pretty good, actually. So I went that's back pretty and young. Did a graduate law degree, and um, started working for the first time in my life at forty, at uh, 30, 34 or something. Yeah. Wow. I'd never had a job, a real job before. Then it'd always been, uh, you know, Bricky's music and share houses. No, yeah, Bricky's labourer and fish packer and wow, um, working with disabled people, sort of driving them around. It wasn't. I had, didn't really have skills, so the I, common man's touch. I had to. Uh, I had to. Yeah, lift my game and. Uh, so what sort of bands were you playing in? I was playing rock bands mainly. Hmm. Yeah. So, well, that would have been in the uh, the glory years of the Perth, the nineties. Oh yeah, it was the, good. Did it was you a good play scene. the Whammies? Played the Whammies quite a few times. Did you? Yeah, oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, it was a fun time. It was a fun time. I still play a little bit of music now. I mean, I, I do. Even though I spend most of my time on a keyboard with very soft fingers, uh, I do still regard myself. I do still do identify as a musician. Um, sadly, <laughs> uh, but. Um, uh, I'm in absolute awe of the people that I work with, who are really amazing musicians. Whereas I'm a bit of a hack. What do you? What do you? What sort of guitars do you own? What have you got? A couple of Fenders. Oh, I've got a few. Yeah, I've got a few bits and pieces. Yeah, Gibsons, Fenders. Oh. I've had I've had a lot of guitars in my time, but then I bought a house and I'm down to like <laughs> That's right. I'm you down do to downscale. About, I agree. About four. And uh, I, I can, all, all I can my, certainly um, attest to downscaling because basically, ev- you know, ever since was his own property, I get to hold on to his gear. That's true. <laughs> and and also, oh, you need to, um, nice. you know, look, like I've got a lovely partner, but when when you do, you know, enter the property market, you sort of start having to buy guitars that are all the same colour. So it looks like you've only got one guitar. Yes. Uh, but so Sunburst is the colour of choice in my world. So I have multiple Sunburst guitars, but uh, bass guitars. But uh, that's another story. Um, Arik, let's move on. Should we? Should we? Should we hit the Instagram like of the week? Let's do that. Off you go. All right. Well, thank you, Andrew. Feel free to jump in on this if you're not. If you want to, uh, this is normally uh, Arik's domain where we try and make a fool of him. But uh, uh, this week's um, all music is good Instagram like of the week. Um, this this special person was born in 1959. And he started out playing the accordion, but was inspired to take up the guitar after hearing of Jimi Hendrix passing. Before joining his main band, which he's more well known for, he actually auditioned for Kiss. Um, He was married for 10 years to a woman who was voted most beautiful woman alive at one stage, and they have a child together. Born 1959, guitar slinger with a beautiful child. <laughs> probably a beautiful child. Okay, so a beautiful uh, wife and a be- and probably a beautiful child. I would say so. Okay. I mean, you know, who knows whether you would call him good looking or not? I don't know. He okay. plays guitar. I think I need. I think I need more. He was up until recently in a relationship with an Australian musician, and they released an album together. 
and performed to, uh, actually performed together at Sambora. Damn, just like that, out in. of the blocks. <laughs> so, did anyone see, like, ah, oh, all music is good, but they actually played at the NRL Grand Final a few years back, and I'm not sure if anyone saw it, but I think it was a, like, it wasn't quite meatloaf-ish, but, look, it, I think there's a, there's sometimes when you should lip, lip sync and play to track, and times when you shouldn't, and that was a time when I think they should have played to track. Former. The, the, um, the, I always thought we, I was at their night 2016 AFL Grand Final and <laughs> Sting played. And I've always wanted to see the police play. I've never seen them. And I was just like, my God, I get to watch the Bulldogs win a Grand Final and see Sting played. And he sung and they played and it sounded freaking amazing. And I was just having the best day. And then I later found out that they sang the track. And oh, it no. sort of like brought it down a bit, but God, it sounded good. And I think uh, Vance Joy and The Living End played, and they played live, and it didn't sound as good as Sting. So I think there are times when you should play the track, and that's one of those times that Richie Sambora and Orsini is it? Um, the Oranthi. Oranthi. I'm not entirely sure how to say her name. Uh, Alright, you probably know her, don't you? I don't, but. <laughs> She was playing with uh, Michael Jackson just before. Oh yeah, um, she's he a gun. Passed. Yeah, yeah, she's an absolute gun. Yeah. I just want to rewind for a sec and no, I just ask, how, what was the giveaway there? How did you like you? Andrew may well have set the record for fastest he, Instagram like of the week. He's in the industry, man. He knows everything. No, but what was the giveaway? Oh, I knew that Richie was going out with a, an Australian musician. Okay. Right. okay. Well, somebody right. of that age group going yes. out with an Australian and, musician. And, and sorry, that Australian musician is the ex-guitarist of the Michael Jackson band? Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she's, she's an like a freak, guy. an LA session. Yeah, yeah, LA session monster. Girl, but there's a big age difference, but not that that's a big thing. But um, anyway, I was going to keep going with, you know, he was born and raised in New Jersey, and then I was going to sort of say, you know, uh, is Bon Jovi bigger than Bruce Springsteen? Yeah, and then you're going to say, and he was a lead as... guitarist in Bon Jovi. Who yeah. is it? <laughs> well, I was going to say, he's <laughs> keeping the double-necked sort of guitar yeah, yeah, vibe yeah. still alive with the one of dead or alive. I was going to say, you know, you Richie's go... sound, I mean, I haven't seen a picture of him since like 1993. In, you know, what was it? In These Arms. Great song. Oh, that was a great song. Great song. Oh, but what I used to go to In These Arms. It was but, so good. Oh, Such great a good song. Memory. Yeah, and Better Roses. Forget about it. Terrible. Oh, get out of town. Shut your mouth. That is a shit song. Um, But what I want to know is, you know, Andrew is someone that's obviously clearly on top of the Richie Sambora files, which might be a new segment, by the way. (laughs) Do we know what his hairstyle is these days? Like, does he still have... Is he still a brunette version of Heather Lockley? I think it's a bit wispy. Wispy. It's wispy, but still rock. It's it's in the long hair. probably moose in there. Moose, of course. There would be moose. Yeah, but I would imagine there's a little bit of hair tie. Okay. A little bit of moose. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, all right. I don't okay, think so alcohol think... has been kind to Richie. No, okay. But well, he left Bon Jovi. Does he have like old guy muscle tone? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think he keeps it pretty, just pretty, pretty respectable. N- el- pretty natural. Pretty respectable. Oh, good on him. Anyway, I think it's nice. I mean, we didn't mention Heather Locklear, but, you know, that was... Uh, a different time. It was a different time. New Jersey legends. Would you say Bruce Springsteen or Bon Jovi are the bigger of the two? Like, if you think, you know, oh, Springsteen. A, yeah, I, sure. it, I, I would agree. Well, but if you, yeah, when both your nicknames the boss, come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
He's the boss, and they're sort of like the kings of New Jersey, though, I think. Well, it's really the... I think it's the John Bon Jovi show these days. Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I actually read an article about John Bon Jovi the other day. It was in the age. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 It was something about like a Trump thing or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, I read that too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was very anti... Trump, but he got a lot of kickback about it. I think from that's his fans. right. That's right. Um, anyway, um, John Bon, John Bon Jovi, oh, uh, no, good no. Dude. Richie Sambora, Richie Sambora. Sorry. Yeah, no, yeah. I did see something in lockdown. Like uh, I think Bon Jovi's got a charity, and he goes and like washes the dishes, and he gets down. Yeah, in the charity, he's a hardworking man. So yeah. there's a lot to like about his uh, ethos. He's kind of st- like he. I mean, you'd you'd say that like. John Bon Jovi and that whole Bon Jovi thing. I mean, I I might be completely wrong here, most likely, but they kind of, I mean, they stayed out of controversy to a point, didn't they? Like they they kind of, you know, they were in that sort of Motley Crue era, but they just sort of coasted through, you know. Well, they were working class. They weren't. They well, even up, though the yeah. hair band, they hooked they, up with Desmond Childs. They got the you know the big hits. Yeah, yeah. And then um, look, I saw them. And they played Rod Laver or MCG actually last time. I had a friend who knew somebody in the touring party and we got tickets it's a good show isn't it he puts on a good show it's a good show but it's they've ref, definitely gone from being sort of in the hard rock category to more sort of country rock mm, yeah phoenix yeah but i mean you know phoenix, what do you call Arizona. what do you call hard rock were they ever hard rock i mean we're looking back now you don't i mean yeah at the time it was hard rock but now it's just well, like i mean you hair sort, band rock you think about uh back in the day when like something like Appetite for Distraction, Destruction came out, you think that it, sounded, it was a hard rock record. Yeah, it was a hard rock But thing. when you listen to it now, it's... No, it sounds really light, doesn't it? <laughs> it's a pop record. It is a pop record, and that's it's what it was. It's a great pop record. Absolutely. Yeah, I would say, like, Dead or Alive was a hard rock. I know. You know, I mean, like, the Grammys called it that. So, like, surely... Living on a prayer, that's Living on pop. a prayer. That, yeah, yeah that's everything true. off Slippery When Wet, New Oof, Jersey, just great. pop pop albums that was one of my first albums actually my my, my cousin no, my cousin was working at brashes and she bought home that you know, and poison <laughs> open up and say ah are you are you talking about poison because don't yeah, go well, there because like that that what's the song um nothing but a good time there's only two songs in my whole life that i've listened to straight off and thought that's a hit Poison, nothing but a good time. And Lenny Kravitz, are you going to go my way? Oh, I thought you were oh, going to wow. say that's your karaoke song. No, no, God, no. That's definitely my, that's more uptown girl. What about, anyway, what, about um, what about Simply Irresistible Robert Palmer? Surely. No, I hate that song. Oh, get out of here. I hate it. I saw you doing that at karaoke. Anyway, let's, um, let's move on and get into uh, some music. And that's what we're here to do. So let's have a quick break and then we'll get back with the first review of the week. And so back for 2021 with the first album of the week, we have Aussie legends, the Avalanches, with their album "We Will Always Love You." Arik. All right. So the Avalanches are an Australian electronic music group formed in Melbourne in 1997. 
They're known for their studio albums Since I Left You in 2000, Wildflower in 2016, and the most recent release, We Will Always Love You from 2020, as well as their live and recorded DJ sets. The group currently consists of Robbie Chutter and Tony Balassi. So a little bit of background about the Avalanches. Three future Avalanches members formed Alarm 115 in Melbourne in 1994 as a noise punk outfit inspired by Drive Like Jehu, The Fall and Ultra Bide. The lineup was Robbie Chatter on keyboards, Tony Balassi on keyboards, bass and backing vocals, and Darren Seltman on vocals. By 1995, Manabu Eta joined on drums. The group bought instruments, recording gear and numerous old vinyl records um, to create uh, by crate at a second-hand record store. When Etta was depart uh, was deported and Alarm One Fifteen disbanded, mm. these records became the core of a new project. Um, Chatter was a film student at RMIT University and had access to a recording studio, which he and Seltman used to turn the records into a thirty-song demo tape labelled Pan Amateurs. In 1997, a new group consisting of Chatter, Tablasian, Selman, and Gordon McQuilton on keyboards was assembled to play the tracks live. Chatter, Tablasi, and McQuilton had all been schoolmates in Maryborough. Really? Isn't it Victoria? Quite yeah, in uh, northern Victoria, just uh, south of Bendigo. There you go. Starting in July, the first four shows were played under different names Swinging, Mon- Swinging Monkey Cox, Quentin's Brittle Bones, and Whoops Downs Syndrome. The group became the Avalanches at their fifth gig, borrowing the new band name from an American surf rock band which recorded only one album, Ski Surfing with the Avalanches, in 1963. <laughs> That's a really interesting introduction. Mm. Um, after playing support slots for the John Spencer Blues Explosion, they rose to prominence quickly. Trifecta Records released the debut single Rock City in September 1997. And just a little anecdote, because I've always got one. 1990... Seven. It was November 29th. Um, what, you saw them at the Central Club at an all-ages no, gig? No, I, I saw them at uh, a festival called Pushover okay. as a... I thought I was probably in year 10. And uh, I remember that date because it was also the date that the Socceroos played the first leg oh, of their around. match against Iran. Oh. So the game was at like 4 a.m. Yeah. So I remember... Harry Kuehl. Oh, the, yeah, to, to open the scoring. He was 17. Uh, yeah, he was. Um, but more about the Avalanches. Um, I saw them play and I was like, who is this? This is amazing. And um, I went to... Uh, well, I think I went to Gravel Records very, very shortly after, like the next day, and I bought that first CD that had Rock City on it and it was wild and and strangely for the next like six years even after since I left you um, I listened to that record like all the time and had no idea that the Avalanches then became like a totally different band mm. with all those kind of samples anyways that was my little anecdote one of the best EPs ever yeah not um, bad. Not loved bad it loved it um, so basically um, around this time DJ Dexter joined the group on yes. turntables and keyboards and uh, a guy named Pavlovich signed the Avalanche to his new uh, label called Modular Recordings. So fast forward, since I left you, obviously a mega, mega, mega successful record. Um, we, you know, I don't need to introduce that to any of our listeners. 
and then I guess uh, things kind of kind of took a little bit of a recess, you could say, mm. if you want to say, if you want to call. Seventeen years, seventeen year hiatus. Um, uh, basically, the Avalanches from 2005 to 2019 had been working on their second album. Seltman had said the album was starting out as like ambient world music, but it was moving in different directions and would feature both samples and live music. Um, but then it sort of started to come out that in fact Seltman had left the group. Um. Subsequent announcements were made of the album's release. However, it di- didn't appear; uh, it, it did, had not appeared by December two thousand eleven. Even though announcements were, and the shadow had gone back all the way to two thousand five, so I guess the group started to get a bit smaller and smaller and smaller. And then it fundamentally just became this two piece between Shadow and Tablasi, and that takes us to this present day, which is the twenty twenty release. We will always love you. Um, it was released on February 11th. Uh, sorry, they they posted something on February 11th, 2020, which was a photo of a promotional billboard in Melbourne advertising a website. On the website, a video played containing several faint voices followed by a Morse code message stating WWALY. On the 14th of February, the website was updated with a second video containing another Morse code message, this time spelling 20th of Feb. Two days later, on Feb 16, the Avalanche has posted a photo of a second on a second billboard in London. On February 20th, 2020, the Avalanche released a single, We Will Always Love You, featuring Blood Orange. With this release, they also confirmed mm. their third studio album. On March 18th, they released another single, called Running Red Lights featuring Pink Sifu and Rivers Cuomo from Weezer. The song is dedicated to David Berman and features lyrics from Purple Mountain Song, Darkness and Cold. And then finally, on September 9th, the band confirmed by Instagram that the title of their third album is We Will Always Love You. The album was released on the 11th of December and features contributions from Denzel Curry, Tricky and Jamie XX. Epic. Amongst others. Epic amongst, amongst others, a yeah, amongst huge list yeah, of some of seriously yep. big names. So let's talk a little bit about the record. I might kick it off and then I'll throw to you guys to get your take. Mm. I mean, coming in at a humble 25 tracks. It was a, it was a big listen. It was a big listen. And, uh, I, I, you know, I listened to it about three times this week. Wow, that's a lot for you. And it is a lot for me. Mm. And um, I guess I, I might start with my overall impression, which was that it felt very dreamy. Like for me, like this is just kind of like my first takeaway was like it felt quite dreamy and relaxing, and and then it kind of opened up a question which I love to ask you both like um, when when we get there that is this what these times have called for? I mean, let's also imagine this wasn't recorded in twenty twenty. Yeah, it's probably yeah. done a couple of years ago. Um, I think overall that the I mean the track sounded far less chopped up than what I had become familiar with from the Avalanches. And then I also started to wonder whether just not having Dexter in the group has really, really changed the direction of the sound. Are you talking about from the last album or their first well, album 17 well, years ago? Well, no, probably more than 17 years ago one. <laughs> but I think, but I think you know, that became a real signature of their sound. I mean... Well, that's I 20 did, years ago, so... It is, but, but they were kind of the... I mean, I... I'm sure I'm completely wrong here, but like in terms of mashup groups, they really were, they set the bar on that. I, I know what you're saying, but I would say that um, f- for groups in that genre, technology has changed so much that what they would have been doing um, that 
1997 would have been due to limitations as opposed to what they do now. So was it, it's amazing you say that because my next note was, I think that the landscape has changed yeah. and perhaps the innovation that the Avalanche has had in their early days is not as groundbreaking anymore. You know, the technology is maybe caught up. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was the great thing about like, someone who played in an electronic group in the late 90s, early 2000s. Like, that was, it was just a battle to, to sample and construct those sort of albums. It's, it's, uh, so yeah, that brought innovation. Anyway, sorry, keep going, Eric. So, you know, on, on a few listens, I could certainly start to identify some standout tracks. I kind of felt overall the album took a little while to warm up. Um, and then my favourite track turned up, which was Reflecting Light. Hmm. Um, that to me was a standout. I love the chord progression and the vocal performances from vocalists Sonata Matreya and Vashti Bunyan. I thought they were absolutely incredible. Um, I liken Sonata's sound to like an almost Al Green-esque kind of a tone. Um, and, you know, again, one of those moments where I'm like, I'm so glad, you know, this has introduced me to him and I'm so glad, you know, we have things like streaming services no even though they rip off artists um to then send me down a rabbit hole of sonata because he is unbelievable well, maybe um, we can talk to andrew about ripping off artists at some stage le- by all means um the track for that to me again again it might be something that sort of channels like this kind of particular aesthetic that comes from my age and what i grew up listening to but that song felt really super late 90s early 2001 kind of tip um and really kind of almost gave me this glory box Portishead sort of vibe, which, again, is kind of interesting as you listen on and you hear Tricky show up and you're like, okay, of course. I mean, that's what these guys came up listening to. What did you to. think of the Tricky thing, though? Like, it wasn't really a Tricky sort of collab, was it? He was very whispery. He was very whispery. I mean, my my big question on the Tricky collab, because Samper's on that as well, yeah. I was like, what is he actually... What what did he do on this track? Yeah. Um, <laughs> apart from, like, beat... Like, uh, assign his name to it so potentially he might have been in the production yeah. he, he may not have sung I mean I think Tricky was a major producer right I don't know actually I do know uh, yeah I think I mean he was like the guy like you know he was on the on those on tracks track? or the, or no sorry what? like but just on his own project oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. so yeah. potentially yeah, he was sure. kind of cut in on that sort of production side rather than the vocal side maybe I don't know I didn't Probably really I, a couple of points on the master yeah. there you go there you go that's what we're, that's what we're talking about <laughs> that's all now, now we're talking yeah um, the other one Oh, the sun. I was like, Perry Farrell, really? Yeah, yeah. And then it, it it shows up and I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Um, I love the choir sample. Um, and I don't know, again, I couldn't really identify what Perry Farrell's role was apart from was he like embedded <laughs> within that choir or was he doing the lead vocal there? I couldn't, I couldn't really f- pick it, but... Look, I, I mean, you don't want to be sarcastic about this sort of stuff, but like, yeah, they, they, that that's right. Like, there was a bit of that going on in this album. Not not that it was bad, but it's quite funny that, you know, what was the role? You know, do they need to be credited? I guess they do. I guess so. I and, and, you know, it, his voice is definitely in there. But to me, it kind of was like, I loved the bass line, had this Nile Rogers vibe, but then also had that kind of bent Thundercat, like, aesthetic, even though it didn't have all of the, you know spiritual jazz stuff it just had this sound to it that kind of reminded me of that and then um take care in your dream i thought was awesome Sumper's verse was just really really awesome um curious to know what tricky's role was in this track so i'll throw it to you guys on that one and then born to lose grabbed me straight away um i love the chord progression and and there was this awesome synth sound in that that 
I was really, really into. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my take on that. What What about you guys? Who wants to go next? Do you want me to go on this? Sure, sure, oh, sure. <laughs> that is true. Well, like I'm going to continue on my walking theme of 2020. I just want to like let the listeners know that like my New Year's resolution for 2021 was was to up the ante and turn into a bit of a bit of a running thing on the running theme. And after talking to Liz Stringer at a Christmas show, and she'd started running and and had worked up to doing some half marathons, and that sort of inspired me to really get into it this year. So here I am, four weeks into my running program, and um, look, there's every chance that a lot of albums we review this year will 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 have a running theme. Um, and so I listened to this album while I was running. Um, so I, I did it while I was doing my eight-kilometre circuit. I listened to it up to Clayton, um, from Oakley to Clayton and back on Sunday morning. And straight up, the, the vibes I was getting was that um, it was quite okay. It had really good flow, this album. It had, like, excellent flow. Like, every all the tracks seemed to flow into each other um, really seamlessly. And, like... I wasn't ever a big Avalanches fan. Like, you know, I think I, I think I might have seen them at the St Kilda Bowls Club or maybe it was DJ Dexter or I can't remember. But, like, I've seen them around. And like, you know, I just, you know, I, I think I thought I was a bit more serious with my sampling at the time and it felt a bit poppy and blah, 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 whatever. Um, so I, I didn't have any sort of massive preconceptions Um but I really, I really like the setup of the first three songs um, um, with the uh, the voice. What, what did you think that was going on with the voice in the first song? Like, you know, was it? Um, I don't know if anyone listened to it too deeply. The message was the voicemail message. Was it? You know, it said what was it called? Ghost, um, ghost something. Mm, so I did what, do what, some reading about that. Was it? Was it someone? Was it a goodbye message? It was, or a, good, was, someone, it was a goodbye message. Uh, someone for, passed someone away. Who, has passed away and is saying goodbye right. retrospectively. That was quite sad. Um, uh, have there been any deaths in the group? I I don't know. Like it was, it was it had a quite a sort of morose sort of start to it. But I did like I did like the flow of the first three tracks, um, and then that sort of felt like it was leading up to the track, um, the divine chord, which I sort of guessed, and that had Johnny Marr and MGMT. On it, and I sort of guessed that might have been the single, um, and it had that sort of dreamy, sort of disco psychedelic groove that, like you know, the Avalanches of old are best known for. But like, for and I like the song, but it didn't feel like it quite hit. Um, I'm not sure why, um, but uh, it was a nice song. Um, just didn't reach the peak that I sort of was looking for. Um, I like the down tempo house vibes of um, Interstellar Love with Leon Bridges. And, um, what did you think of the actual songwriting though on that song? Uh, it didn't stick out as being anything good or bad. I just, I just like the sort of the vibe of it. Sure. Um, and I like the collab on Reflecting Light as well. Um, I like the sonic soundscapes generally. Of like, you know, they're always known for their sort of linking sort of stuff, and I and I like the palette that they sort of constructed. Um, and their transitions and segues were on point. I thought. And it sort of made it feel like a proper album listening experience. Um, but yeah, the names it was crazy. Like, you know, Nina Cherry was on there as well and Karen O from the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's. That was a sort of a weird one. Um, I liked the um, Wherever You Go and Music Makes Me High. But at, at that point, that's when I finished my run and uh, I had to like switch off. Uh, so look, if you want, if anyone out there wants to calculate the time on 
the album at that point, then divide it by eight. Um, you can work out my kilometer splits um, up into that up into that song. Uh, so I came back to it later in the day, and I, I like I really dug the t- track "Born to Lose." Um, look, there wasn't there wasn't a lot on this album that I didn't like. Um, I thought maybe it just lacked a bit of spark and excitement. Maybe was there a song that like was like that's the song? No, not mm-hmm. for me. But like I, I liked it as a as a as a listening experience. Um, and like you know, it was certainly cohesive, and you know, sonically, you know, it was really lush, and the samples were lovely, and I, I enjoyed listening to it. Um, I, and I also really like celestial themes. Like that's my thing. Like anything celestial or talking about space, that's right up my alley. We should get uh, get Carly Aldis on the line. What was that? Well, she likes the X Files, doesn't she? <laughs> Maybe not supernatural sort of stuff, okay, but like gotcha. anything sort of you know the planet sweets holst or you know we'd get, get into classical territories now. Um, the, the, more, the closing trip was that. I was going to say if there'd be more songs about karate, you would have been into it because of your totally your yeah. karate Kai thing. Yeah, yeah, that's more like hair rock, Andrew, but um. <laughs> You know, oh, and slash Banana Rama, but anyway, let's move on. Um, all the, times, all time, all, all time, time song. The um, like the Interstellar message that closes the album. Like, you, um, what was that last song called? The, the, like, I mean, you know, you know, I've sort of read up about that, and I did know about it. And so, you know, it's uh, what is it? The Acebo um effect. You know, the um, the transmitting human DNA and you know biochemicals. In binary code, so and that was originally broadcast in 1974 from Peru or somewhere. Puerto Rico was it? Puerto Rico oh. from the oh here we go. Puerto Rico's Cebu uh, Observatory, and it was beamed for those out there. It was beamed out at the frequency of 2,380 megahertz, um, following a performance from the said uh, I. Um, International Space Orchestra, and so apparently the avalanches um, got a copy from. Uh, Frank Drake, who was the one of the, he's an octogenarian astronomer who originally put that together. So that was pretty cool. Um, look, I think above all else, I really respect these guys because they sit in their own creative place and they continue to make music that's identifiable as Avalanche's music, and Very that's true. that's always full respect, full respect for that sort of stuff because that's really hard to do. Like you know, you listen to a song and you go, "That's an Avalanche's track," and that's that's really admirable. I think so. I think I think, I think one part of that equation is the producer Tony Espy, right? Um, who's credited on from what I could read all three releases. Local Melbourne mix engineer worked out of Sing Sing for a million years, yeah. Um, and you know, is absolutely, you know, what is it? What's his name? Well, who is a Beatles guy? Um, oh, George, George Martin. Martin. As is kind of the George Martin of of the group. I mean, the amount of yeah, that's the, a team the project. Fifth avalanche. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm throwing that out there purely on speculation, but that would be my gut feeling given there is such a distinct sound to their records but like i mean we haven't i mean we did touch on it before but i think i hadn't really thought about that but making this type of music in today's world with ableton and all that sort of you know tech that you've got access to it's so much easier to make something sound cohesive and together and maybe you don't get that angularity of of what it used to be in that sort of 
you yeah, know, the, the, the challenges have been rem- some of the challenges have been removed. Yeah, so like, is it possible to sort of make it sound like fresh when you sort of you know you're locking into that? But maybe they didn't do it like that. I don't know. Anyway, so I'm I'm crapping on. Um, I did crap on a lot there. Sorry, you guys um, get really granular. <laughs> it's 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 uh, awe inspiring to be amongst. But look, but, I'm just going to go and I'm going to go in quick and hard. Go. Um, do I it. think this record is I'm sonic sonic team. perfection. Right okay. on. And when yeah. you were talking about the, when you mentioned the um, Portishead record before, I mean that is an album which oh. I think is a, an album you can listen to in its entirety. Yeah. As an album, and I think, and we talked about the flow in this record. I think this this record is that. Yeah. It the songs are great. I mean, I, there were so many great songs on it. They're all like I just love all the songs. I I love um, Running Red Lights particularly. Have you been an Avalanche's fan? Like. The whole way uh, through, sort of like a casual fan, yeah. Like a, you know, like the songs, like the singles. Yep. I think it's it's much easier to get into things when you once you've got a Spotify subscription. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Preferably a full blown one and not the free <laughs> one with the advertising. Oh, uh, we'll talk about that later, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it also made me think about like the song for Barbara Payton. I, I didn't know who she was, so I wikied her and found out you know she had a sad story. A starlet who basically drank herself to death, and right? Died, and died wow. at thirty nine. Uh, so it was just you know. <clears throat> Look, overall, I think it's a it's a great record, and um, you know I give it two thumbs up. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to get to that in a minute. You're, we, we we might be a bit preemptive because we don't even know if that's two out of two. Yeah, that's right. We, we haven't got to that's the rating 200%. scale yet. That's right. Um, look, I, I have a question. Yeah, you go. <laughs> so, from your from a, from one of the great legal minds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a 20, from, from, uh, uh, no, from a legal mind. A twenty-five track record comes your way with four collaborators to seven collaborators on each gig, <laughs> on each song. Would would that be considered an a project that a great, not necessarily you, but just a great legal scholar would love to work on? Is that a complex equation right there? That's it a good sounds question. like there would it would be some good legal fees in there, yeah. sorting out all of the um, featured artists, and, and that's why we have the a great legal sc- splits. That, and that's why we have great everyone, legal scholars. Everyone takes a dip at the well on this one. I think. Well, look, I mean, you know, the thing with the, I think a song needs to have a thirty-second stream to count. Does it on um, Spotify? Say that again. What do you mean thirty seconds? What? What? Well, what? somebody listens to a song for thirty seconds and it counts as a song. right oh, as, a, as a royalty. Is that a new yeah. thing yeah. ever since? Like that silence no, no, equation. I mean, it's always been that way. But so some of these songs are not are less than that. So, so the Karen sort of O ones. So is that kind of so is that thirty seconds a song or thirty seconds of what you're singing on? The, like you've actually contributed thirty seconds to that track. Tra- somebody who streams the track for thirty seconds. Oh, you're saying that someone is on it for thirty seconds. No, 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 and now no, 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 no. He's not saying that. He's saying. That the track needs to be, you, so the listener needs to listen to it for thirty seconds to right count for it to count. So there's a sort of a tendency for lots of shorter tracks, particularly R and B. They're doing so you'll end up a lot more tracks on your record, but you're not you're getting it something at thirty thirty one se- uh, seconds, but it counts as a, as a stream. So is that yeah right? So I mean, that's I mean like God to go like really into that really evil sort of music psychology mm. you know that's the whole thing of like getting in there with the like the hook early and keeping oh, yeah. people listening for that 30 seconds to get their money it's just uh, yeah, crazy it's run it to steve, steve, steve miller did it back in the day with um i think it was walk like an eagle or abracadabra it's got the big intro 
and then it's then it's the song and he did that as so when the thing got played it was counted as two bits of publishing got played why is that because because the parts. intro was its own Oh yeah, okay. You got separate tracks. Yeah. What about like a? I mean, and you've got side A, side B, like single releases as well that has a part one and a part two. What are you saying? Well, that's a. Is that one song or is that two songs? What two songs? Part one and part two. Well, I would have thought so. If it's if it's if it's um you know aggregated separately as a separate song, that's a separate song. Well, that's why we have great legal scholars on this program. All right. Um, have we talked about this enough? Like, I, I think we all liked it. I think, um, it's great but I, like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I've. Yeah, let's let's get on to let's rate it. Okay, let's do it. Let's go. All right. Have you got a rating system for us in twenty twenty one? Are we still I, doing the rating system? We have a rating system. So um, each week we like to shout out a unofficial podcast sponsor. That podcast unofficial podcast sponsor has no knowledge of sponsoring the podcast and they also contribute nothing to the podcast however it's really just an opportunity for myself and Waza to just celebrate something that we love and uh, it, you know we go all around the uh, all around the board with these ones we've been to Colac we've been to Colac sometimes local sometimes international this week our unofficial podcast sponsor is Martin Tyler Commentary uh, yeah. Here we go. I'm not sure about this. Okay. So straight up. Martin Tyler is an English football commentator and assistant manager at Woking. He's worked as a commentator for Sky Sports since nineteen ninety, covering the Premier League and the UEFA Champions League, as well as other domestic and international competitions. Tyler had previously commentated for ITV in the 1970s and 1980s. He provided his voice to the football video game series FIFA from 2006 to 2019. And he was voted the FA Premier League Commentator of the Decade. So you're saying he stopped in 2020? No, no, he's still going. He's he's, he's the real deal. Right. Um, Look, I'm happy to post the rest of Martin Tyler's resume on our actual Instagram page. But I might just like get off script here and talk a little bit about the absolute sheer perfection of the way Martin Tyler builds up tension and then smashes it. So what I wanted to do today... Just like you smashed the table then and it bled into the microphone? Something uh, like that? Exactly that. So what what I would like to do as just a means of kind of honouring the great man Mm. and to really get a real understanding of how we're going to score this stuff this week... Basically, he's got a whole different commentary style for a whole different kind of a goal and a kind of a moment. And I've selected four different commentaries, which is an 8 out of 10, a 6... Sorry, an 8 to a 10, a 6 to an 8, a 4 to a 6, and a 1 to a 4. Mm. So what I would like to do is just share with you guys what our rating scale is because it's actually kind of important that you get the vibe of Martin Tyler. Would well, you say that you put more effort into the scoring system than <laughs> listening to the albums this week, Aaron? I might have. Yeah, okay. So our first scale of record is the 8 out of 10, and this is the very famous call of Martin Tyler uh, when Man City actually won the Premier League, and it's all about one Sergio Aguero. Here we go. So, 
So I never liked that one because that means Liverpool lost the uh, Premier League when he kicked that. But anyway, yep. So that's our one? eight out of ten. And the Aguero scream is the eight out of sorry, the eight to ten. Yep. We have next up. This is six to eight. This is the Steven Gerrard. 2005 goal versus Olympiakos. Mm-hmm. Mella, lovely cushion header. Bajero! Oh, you beauty! That should be eight to ten. That's way better. No, 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 no. That's the that's the uh, that's the six to eight right there. The four to six is the famous debut game by Martial against Liverpool, the Manchester United player. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, that's a 4-6. to six. Well, That's the 4-6 Welcome to Manchester United call. Okay. And then what was clearly the most disappointing call of his entire career, mm. which was the 2010 World Cup final in the 119th minute, Andres Aniesta scores the winning goal for Spain. He wasn't happy. Listen to how bloody low-key this one was. Nice turn of the foot by Jesus Navas. Iniesta with the back heel. Jesus Navas again. Torres. Oh, it drops for Fabregas, who looks for Iniesta, who's onside! Look, in Martin Tyler's defence, I would say that like if you've been commentating football for six weeks non-stop and then it got to the 120th minute of the last game, you'd probably be stuffed as well. Yeah, I'll, look, I'll pay that. And look, and we can use that excuse for a shit record as well. Yep, agree. So here we go. The rating scale for this week is the Aguero scream, the Gerard scream, the Martial scream. Or the Eniesta kind of like... And we've never really sleepy. even touched on the fact that this girl, the Kylie Aldis version, is the theme song for Jeannie Wijnaldum from Liverpool as well. Are but you serious? Yeah, they just sing it all the time. Well, that's, that's a- also another good Wijnaldum, um Martin Tyler call, actually. I'll play that. So at the on. cop, that's that song gets a workout, like you know. Oh, is that Gigi One Alden's actual like? That's his song. Dun, dun, oh my dun, god! Dun, dun, so that would have been played when he scored the double against Barcelona. Absolutely! Oh my god! It's crazy! Damn! Okay, that's pretty cool. That's All right, so I might one, go first. One degree from Gigi One Alden. I might go first. Yep, go for it. For me, it's def. It's a Martial. Mm-hmm. Um, welcome to Manchester United, Martial. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, that's kind of the call. It's kind of positive. But it's you know it's not it's not an Aguero, so I'll give so it a. You're giving it a four to six. No, I'm giving going to give it a six, six out of ten. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a funny one. It was it's a good running record and it's cohesive. It's just missing the um. Once once you get your head around it and and think this is not a hits album, it's just a, it's it's just an album listing album. That's what we're about in this podcast. I'm going to give it somewhere between the Martial. And the Stevie Gerrard. So I might give it a six and a half, I six think. Six and a half. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give an Aguero. Aguero! <laughs> or or my, my rating equivalent, which would be a million jackfruit burgers from the tramway. <laughs> oh, yeah. With I a like side that. of braised greens. 
if you're going to bring that sort of quality of writing scale to this show, that you need to come back and man. Well, uh, look, I mean, we have we have talked about um, you know just bringing on more staff to this. So potentially, <laughs> Andrew has just like completely landed himself the unofficial sponsorship development manager. The thing is, he like probably uh, could get real sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're not after that, are we? No, after no, no, we're not. So we've got an Aguero from Andrew. We've got a Gerard from Waza and a Martial from Arik. So the second album we have for you this evening is Fleet Fox's album Shaw. So this was this was one left over from last year that we never got to. But um, Fleet Foxes are an American indie folk band formed in Seattle, Washington, two thousand and six. The band consists of Robin Pecknold, uh, Skylar. Oh wow, my God! It's like a it's like a Scandinavian surname. Is it Skelset? Uh, Casey Westcott. Kristen Wado and uh, Morgan Henderson. Uh, so it's led by singer Robin Peck- Pecknold. The band came to prominence in 2008 with the release of their second EP, Sun Giant, and their debut album. Uh, on their debut album, Fleet Foxes were on Sub Pop originally. Um, both albums received critical praise, and reviewers often noted that the band's use of refined lyrics and vocal harmonies. So Fleet Fox's second studio album, Helplessness Blues, was released on Sub Pop in 2011, um, following a hiatus between 2013 and 16, during which Pecknold pursued an undergraduate degree. don't know what he did it in. Wikipedia hasn't given us that info. Um, they reunited uh, to release their third album, Crack Up, um, in 2017. So work began on the fourth studio album in late 2018, not long after the Crack Up tour finished, and... Uh, they put some demos online in 2018 and recording began in September 2019. So this is actually quite a short break for the guys considering they normally have a five or six year hiatus between albums. Um, Pecknold collaborated closely with recording engineer uh, Beatriz Ortalo during the recording process, process upon the outset of the COVID-19 pandemic. Pecknold moved to New York City to be able to continue working with Artolo. At this point, the majority of the music of the album was well conceptualized, but the lyrics eluded Pecknold. He eventually developed the lyrics in part over the course of long drives in the New York countryside and worked to finish the album in July and August of 2020. So, look, this was, as I said, this was an album on the list from 2020 that we never quite got around to looking at which we wanted to and I think you actually said that maybe you'd listened to it Arik had you? I did I did I listened to it a bunch of times because you were referencing it in relation to the Husky album I seem to recall correct um, look but it was on enough best lists of the year for me to want to go back and listen to so look look straight up I the the production was dense I don't normally listen to this sort of album anymore um Massive amounts of reverb mm. um, with drums in the background and vocals and the sort of more sort of jaunty frequency stuff up high um, and in, up front in the mix. 
Um, look, the, yeah, the overall sound was something I'd associate with like a modern Americana sort of folk indie pop genre. Like I think I was thinking Sufjan Stevens when I was sort of listening to it originally. Mm. Um, but like, you know, that sort of, the way it's mixed sort of makes it feel like really grandiose. Do you sort of get that sort well, of... Dreamy. Yeah, I was grand- dreamy. Dreamy, like majestic, you know, was the word I was sort of thinking of. Um, and that's not to say that you don't have to have good songs to do that. Like, you still got to write a good song. Um, but I thought the songwriting on this album was killer. Um, one thing I picked up on on first listen to this album was the bass playing was awesome. Like, it was really melodic and it often veered away from the root note and, you know, it was sort of playing counter melodies and concentrating on thirds and fifths. And I really loved that. And it gave the songs like a real edginess. And so when it actually finally did resolve to the root, like it felt really sort of joyous and it really opened up beautifully. Um, And I think the track that I was referencing was Can I Believe You, which was, I really love that track. Um, I haven't got this in my notes, but like, you know, we, we talked about um, the Beach Boys influence, Brian Wilson influence on, was it Holly Hive? Well, I think we've referenced it, referenced him a few times on the podcast, uh, getting really lots of Brian Wilson sort of vibes from this album. Oh, maybe even a bit of Phil Spector, uh, the, the Wall of Sound kind of Absolutely. Vibe. That, that sort of Spectre um, mix was really apparent on this album. Um, I love this track, um, Jarrah. Um, I really loved the 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 drum rhythm on it. Like it was super busy and interesting, but because it was sort of set so far back in the mix, it didn't dominate, and it sort of you know the it let the sort of chordal structure and the harmonies just wash over you. So like the the rhythm playing the the rhythm section in particular on this album, I I loved a lot, and just because how how it was mixed, it just it allowed things to be quite busy but without like normally if they were up in the mix like that would really that would be really dominating and would be it wouldn't work but just yeah the special attention to the mix on this this album what did you think i mean you know you uh sub pop really you know uh, i'm not sure if this is on sub pop but um i don't think it is i think they did their first two albums on sub pop and i think they've <clears> gone <throat> off since then because what I noticed, and just kind of like responding to your review as well, was that one thing that I felt this record surprised me with was actually like like I agree with both of you about this kind of dreamy element, but there was definitely a really hi-fi production value here. Like it, it, it was, it's mixed like a pop record. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was that. It was lo-fi meets hi-fi, but yeah. but all around like actually like in the hi-fi world but i think it's what like a lot of albums do these days like they they like, like the taylor swift record from last year is like a similar kind of thing i know i don't know if i would pick that one but the point was like that was meant to be like the folk record that was not the pop record but sounded just as shiny as i i think i don't know if i would agree with that reference that you're making there but i i, I know what you're getting at like you you know Mix engineering and mastering engineering is at such a standard these days that you can take a four-track recording and make it sound so Massive. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that's what's been achieved really yeah. well with this album. Look, I, I guess, like on a very superficial level, I've always heard heard the name Fleet Boxes and just thought it was a way too cool for school name, and so I've never really listened to them. But um. It's ridiculous in hindsight, but um, look, this album turned me into a massive fan. Like, I thought the compositions 
were super interesting. And great um, songwriting. Great songwriting. I love the the use of multiple vocal doubles harmonies, and the harmonies yep. and, you know, reference to sort of Brian Wilson reference and the Spectre sort of production, sort of everything bleeding into each other, the wall of sound. Um, so, look, once again, like I think this podcast has turned me onto a band that like I wouldn't have probably listened to. And like I, I do think you know we we tend to listen to albums that we want to listen to on mm. this pod, and we probably should listen to more sort of indie stuff. And I, I love this. I, I just feel bad that I'm 13 years late to the party. Yeah. Anyway, that's my take on it. Who wants to go next? Well, I don't have too much to add, actually, uh, fellas. I mean, you guys are the um, you know the studio rats, and uh, you, you're getting in there with your thirds and your doubles and your. Oh no, we just know how to crap on. We've had stuff. sixteen episodes of learning I, how to crap. Um, I, again, uh, just a fabulous album. Great songs, great production. Pretty cruisy. It's a pretty cruisy record. It's the kind of thing you just put on and get on the beers. Right. So here's so something that we both noticed last year is like there's like stuff that we're like this is a masterpiece. It's a ten out of ten, and I'll never, it'll never have any utility ever again in my life. Like there are those kind of albums that create such a big impression, and there are those albums which is like, oh, it's got it kind of, you know, it's really good, pretty cool, but suddenly like that is like an absolute record that you go to for a specific event, like you said, to get on the beers. I know for me, <laughs> I um, like I've, I, I've found out about this record. But I think getting going, on the natural wines, getting is on the natural wines or the kombuchas, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I know for me, like, I was like, oh, it's Sunday morning, and like, all of this stuff I'd been listening to was completely not Sunday morning music. And I was like, what did I listen to? And I punched an Animal Collective, and and I was like, oh no, that's too intense. Uh, and then I put on Sufjan Stevens. I'm like, oh my god, it's way too much for 10 a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on a Sunday. I was like, what about? Fleet Foxes and I punched it in and I was like oh my god they released an album in 2020 I, bet I, should, I, should, I should listen to that and I chucked it on and Fleet Foxes became something that I listened to a lot yep. last year as like so this, this album? Of, this album yeah right um, without like having any kind of response but it's sitting in a overall audio yeah, in part a, of my world in a space so I was just gonna I guess ask you Andrew like is that is, do you kind of when you think about albums is there like albums that like it's like a yeah that's a Saturday afternoon record. Absolutely, or- yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, Velvet Underground with Nico is definitely mm. is my Sunday m- morning record. Yep. Mm. Well, it's one of them. You know, you have a, I have a bunch, but um, oh, give us t- what's your top three Sunday morning albums? <sighs> or just one? Oh yeah, two. Can we just plenty. let's just go with that one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and actually, to be honest, that's a pretty legit answer. Like yeah. when you're going to go, to, there's actually only one. And well, it's I don't just know. Like one. I think you could put Love Supreme at, you know, yeah, any you time. Yeah, you could definitely put Love Supreme. And Donny Hathaway's live album, I think, is that, a nice that's one. So that's both Saturday yeah. and Sunday. Dust, it's any Dusty day. in yeah. Memphis. Dusty, Dusty Memphis, Memphis yeah. Great record. Yep. Um, look, I could do a little, I could definitely do some Kevin Morby on a Sunday morning. Okay. Ma- maybe some Fleet Foxes. Some Fleet Foxes. So would that sit in a Sunday morning realm for you? or like Absolutely, a, yeah. No, look, it was. I, I thought it was an... Uh, just a great selection of recordings yep. and songs. And um, it's probably a record that I would not have listened to had I not come on this podcast. So mm. thank you, guys. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. It found it sounded like a band who were on top of their game to me. Like It sounded like like these, this is a fourth album and they know what they're doing and they nailed it. Arik, what do you reckon? Yeah, look, as I said, um, one of those things that like 
it, like it took me to actually get down to reviewing this to actually look at it through any kind of critical lens because it just had become this mm. sound that was part of my last year and you know for the listeners tuning in and saying hold on a minute this is released in 2020 we have this little kind of crossover grace period until all the releases kick in in about february so yeah. for you know uh just a, as a little uh disclaimer but um I when I listened to it more critically, I I like I was into it, and then like my cynical brain kind of arrived, and I was like, please someone create a coming of age film that includes like, you know, a young yeah, yeah, yeah. first year college student hit, hitting the wide open roads of America, yeah, yeah. and then somebody call Fleet Fox's manager and just. Get them all working together because this record for me was like, as what, you said, Americana. What's the band with who did the Garden State? What's that? That's band? The, the Shins. The Shins, yeah, and it's yeah, like that, but it's the, they're kind of like I sort of put them in the Shins 2.0 category. Definitely. Um, well, now I'd say the Shins are more edgy. They got that more Smith's Cure sort of agreed. vibe, the edginess to it. Yeah, but that's kind of what this was for me, and. Um, you know, I think another kind of interesting thing is just how, like, this is so American. Like, it's such an American everything about it, you know? And, and it just made me wonder, like, why, like, what is, what, why is this on, on, on our radar, for example, when we also live in, like, wide open roads and big coming of age kinds of oh, stories? It's a driving album. It's a driving no album. Doubt. No doubt. And then, and I know we've... I mean, I tell you what, Husky just keeps on showing up on this podcast because, Andrew, if you haven't listened to the album, his album from last year is like Knockout. And um, obviously, they were on Sub Pop early days at the same time as Fleet Foxes were on Sub Pop. Oh, wow. And I guess there would have been this kind of... Um, like you know, just like the fleet, maybe like well, the Husky fleet like foxes that back then. Yeah, but what was really interesting to notice listening to this versus listening to fleet foxes who were label mates, I'm like, Husky has like totally just kept on going and expanding as like, and that's a, you know a local Melbourne local Melbourne band and fleet foxes kind of felt to me like it just sort of hit this sort of as you said this kind of country Midwest kind of a tip and I didn't say that but you can say that I said that yeah <laughs> I think I just said Americana yeah, yeah Americana more dream pop actually dream pop that's yeah. where I said yeah, yeah I me know, too I, I, I got get that described more as folk west coast I found it very like a really great dreamy record yeah um, yep. maybe helped along with all that reverb that you uh, yeah. noted yeah, I did note that thank you Thanks for acknowledging that. Um, look, I mean, maybe you've listened to it a lot. Like, I, I came at it from from nowhere. Sure. Um, and so as the only thing I've heard from Fleet Boxes, if this is what it is, this is really excellent quality work. Um, Should we do it? Yeah, let's do it. So let's go to the rating scale. Maybe we'll start with you, Waza. Mate. What's the? Uh, I'm going Aguero. Like you're going Aguero. I, I am fully committed. You are all to, there. But like I'm going Aguero and Steve Gerrard together. Like I actually would give this like a full nine. Like I'm gonna. I don't think I'm going to give it a 10. I don't think I'm ever going to give anything else a 10 ever again until I'm fully ready to go for it. But I really, really like this album. Awesome. All right. So we've got an Aguero from Waza. What about you, Andrew? 10 Agueros or, yes. or 100 Jackfruit Burgers. Or 100 Jackfruit Burgers or 10 Agueros. So we've got a double Aguero. That's it. That's this a, could that's go into the Album of the Year this category. Is, oh, this is a well on its way to Album of the Year category. Mm. I, again, like, I guess I've just got to look at it in terms of utility. And 
it was actually you know when I, I when I went when I when I it's definitely a Gerard. It's a Gerard. It's it's a it's 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 a, it's if not a seven and eight. I'll, let's let's make it an eight. Let's do it. Let's make it an eight. There we go. We got an eight and nine and ten. I think this is album of the year quality. Although we'll have to discuss whether we can have two thousand twenty albums in two thousand twenty one. But whatever. We can do what we want. We'll get our own podcast. <laughs> our fucking podcast. <laughs> All right. Um, so that was uh, Fleet Fox's album, Shaw. Okay, so the third album we have tonight is Little Dragon's New Me, Same Us. So Little Dragon formed in 1996 in Gothenburg, Sweden, with Yukimi Nagano. It was in her first year in high school when she met seniors, uh, Frederick Wallen and Edric Bodden. The three of them will meet up after school to jam and play records by De La Salle and a tribe called Quest and Alice Coltrane. Ooh, that's, that's a nice, that that's a nice, nice. trio. Um... The band's name was inspired by the little dragon nickname Nagano earned due to the fuming tantrums she used to throw while recording in the studio. It's a little exaggerated, but there is some truth in it, Nagano said. But we've grown up a bit and I've realized you can't have a fit every day because otherwise you won't be able to stand each other. Little Dragon have toured throughout Europe and have also made music videos for the songs Test Twice, Constant Surprises, After the Rain and Fortune. The video for Twice was directed by award-winning Swedish filmmaker Jonas uh, uh, Nilholm. The double A side Fortune Blinking Pigs was released in the UK on in 2009. Little Dragon were chosen as one of Beyond Race magazine's 50 emerging artists in late 2009, resulting in a spot in the publication's 11th issue as well as an exclusive online Q&A on the magazine site. On the recommendation of his wife, Damon Alban, Invited Nagano and her bandmates to feature on Gorilla's 2010 album Plastic Beach, appearing on the tracks Empire Ants and To Binge. Alban then asked Little Dragon to join Gorilla's on their Escape to Plastic Beach tour. In 2011, former keyboardist Ulred Whirling rejoined the group on support keys during live performances. Um, Little Dragon's fourth studio album, Nabuna Rubber Band, was released in 2014 in the UK via Because Music. And... Uh, in the United States on Loma Vista recordings. The album was inspired by Janet Jackson's Slow Jams. Clap Clap was released as the album's lead single. The second single, Paris, debuted on Zane Lowe's BBC Radio 1 program. Um, uh, Nabuna Rubber Band received a nomination for Best Electro Dance Album at the Grammy Awards. And the fifth studio album, Season High, was released in 2017 by Loma Vista recordings, and it spawned the singles High and Sweet. So, Arik... Uh, the new album has just been released, New Me, Same Us. You About wanna... a year ago, was actually. It? Really? Yeah, yeah March last year. Oh, God. Okay. Well, well we're, we're just covering off albums. We're just covering off. Covering we're off. covering off stuff that we didn't get to um, in 2021 because, you know, there's a lot of music that gets released and, you know, all music is good and we want to pay attention to to all the music. Arik, do you want to kick us off or do you want me to? Uh, I'm happy to go. Um 
I I listened to this again. This was a three time listen. What's going on? I, look, you know, I'm trying to take my job seriously this year. Um, I just this didn't grab me. This album didn't grab me. Um, I I guess it come to be you know be familiar with Little Dragon through some of their older work. Um, and also, I knew them through remixes um. and also guest guest appearances. I think. The singer in Little Dragon did that subtract song that was just oh, love that song. Brilliant, you know. Um, for me, this just sort of kind of felt really non-risque, really quite safe overall, um, and it, I don't know. It kind of felt like a, an album of B-sides or like cuts that didn't make other recordings. It it didn't grab me as a overall out like a piece of work that took me on a journey, and. Um, and I, I dare say I couldn't really sort of pinpoint a, a song that stood out that was like, I'm going to go back and love this track. So unfortunately, I don't have much, too much more to say apart from that, that I think I expected more. They've got an amazing reputation and it, uh, it just didn't hit the mark for me. Mm, what, like, ab- what about you, Andrew? I've wanted to love this band since the first record. Yep. Like I've really given them a, a, a go. Uh, but I just, yeah, I just find I don't. I'm I'm not a fan. Though I've wa- I've wanted to be a fan because um, I think they're cool. Yeah. Um, what do you think's cool about them? Like just. Uh, I like some of the sounds. I like um, they get a little bit sort of in that sort of dubby, that sort of dubby Bristol kind of bass kind mm. of massive attack. Yep. Mm. Um, sound that I really like. On the new record, there's one song, New Fiction. I think that I, that was, for me, the standout track on the record. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love the stuff they've done, they've done with the Gorillas, But, um, yeah, just... Um, the, uh, you know, I listened to this album a few times and just ended up turning it off because I found it... It, it just irritated me for some reason. There was something about the sounds that just... Yeah, I didn't want to listen to it, and so I'd put something else on. But maybe, yeah, no, I look, I, I tried really hard, but uh, just didn't like it. Was there something about the new fiction song that you were like, okay, cool? Like, great bass line. Okay. Really great bass line on that song. Yep. Yep. Well, I'm going to go, I'm going to like diverge off um, because. Um, Look, when you said Little Dragon this week, I'm like, yeah, cool. Like, but then I'm like, hey, on, I've heard the name, but I've I realised that I'd only known them through their remixes and the subtract one. I think there was a Philo one which I'd sort of heard, um, yeah. but not much of the original material. So I sort of backtracked through the catalogue and look, I, I without a doubt, I thought this album was was really good, um, and. Uh, I don't know if that... I mean, this is their first album on Ninja Tunes as well, the iconic sort of UK album. Um, I thought um, it was quite party um, and not like in that sort of sort of nutcase dance party, but in a, um, drinking martinis. Um, your, your kind of party? I'm drinking martinis at like art exhibitions sort of party yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. like going to secret clubs, but not like with secret doors, but not like, you know, like not like... You know, party clubs, but like I'm, I'm, I'm at a, like a secret club, and there's some cool music, and maybe I'm, there's some sushi. It's like a, like, people yeah. are wearing linen. 
Yeah, there's lots of linen around. Oh, oh no, I think it's a bit more hipster than linen. Dare not, I say beige linen? No, beige, no, no, beige. no, you may not. That's 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 1995, and I don't think that's 1995. This album. Um, look, maybe there's three different types of Japanese seaweed on the menu. I don't know, but um, I was I was into it. Um, like there was nothing above sort of 110 BPM on this album, which I really yeah, like the first. Song. Yeah, yeah. What was true. the first song? Hold on, I think it's called. Um, like I'm looking at disco feel to that first song. Totally. Well, that I was actually a little bit disappointed that there wasn't more songs like the first song but I'm looking through my Spotify list now and I've got hearts next to like seven tracks on this album that's great um, um, hold on and we belong um, were probably my favourite I did have a heart next to new fiction um, but let's see let me look at my notes um, look I think look I, I, I see where you guys are coming from like I think the danger with this album is that it could easily be categorised in that chill out sort of post Ibiza sort of um you know Cafe Del Mar Cafe Del Mar come, come down record come down record um and like I can see that I I could front an argument to that but maybe that you guys would be right in that sense that maybe it is a bit safe but um I didn't I really like the songs like I thought the bass lines were cool as you're saying like in a lot of it I like that they used um I thought the differences were that they used acoustic instruments a lot. Like there's a lot of acoustic bass or you know, real bass and a lot of real um, acoustic um, drums as well or, or percussion that was done through it. And I thought um, even songs that started out predictably always sort of had something a bit left field in it. Like it might have been a left field synth part or the vocal melodies were a bit interesting. Um, but yeah, as I said, I thought... I felt cheated that like Hold On was the more up-tempo track and I thought that was was a really good opener. I wanted more sort of on the dance floor action. Um, but that's 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 it. Like, I mean, maybe I'm being picky, but like I, I thought it was a really... I really liked it a lot. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was great. That's great. Well, why, <laughs> why don't we go to, the, uh, go to the board then? Because it seems to me as though... You know, and this is the great thing about talking music with a few people in the room that, like, once you sort of hear someone else's kind of feel and take on the record, does that influence your final score? Who knows? Yeah, it probably doesn't. Like, I mean, the synth pad choices were really good in a lot of the, a lot of Look, the parts as well. It sounded great. It sounded great. It I- sounded a lot the, um, the production like an album we're going to review next time we do. Yeah. Um, like, that really Euro, com- super compressed dance floor style. Um, and you maybe that's not your thing, maybe it is, but like it was slick, very slick, maybe too slick. But for me, I, I thought it sort of tread the uh, tread the line really well. So what are you thinking from a score point of view? Just to recap, we've got the Aguero 8 out of 10. Mate, I'm Stevie Gerard. Gerard. You, Stevie Gerard all the way with his you album. Are Stevie Gerard, which, which arguably could be just as big a... Bigger scorers <laughs> as, the as the Aguero. If I, I mean, had the background commentator. Do we really need to play it? I don't think we do, do we? I'll put it in post. <laughs> so that's good. That's a good album. It's a good album. Yeah. All right, we've got the Gerard for Waza. What about you, Andrew? Yep. Well, look, all good music is good. Yeah. To quote Miles. Yes. Uh, but it's a Stevie Gerrard from me. It's a Stevie Gerrard. So you go, you're going, you're going eight, eight to ten on. Yeah. No, so six to eight. I can't listen to it, but I'm still going to give it a six to eight. I turned uh, it off. Look, I, I 
it's I think it's great music and I respect their art. It's it just in vibe with me. Yep. But um, the artistry is there. Yeah. And that's to be respected. The other thing that I thought was really good was that um, the keys that they put a lot of the music in like didn't meant that she was um. You know, normally you push up, you set your song in a key. <laughs> you set your song in a key where you can reach the Nerds. peak. You know that this is. I'm going to set it a key where my top note is the top note. But she was setting it the other way. That a lot of her um, she went down and was down going and down. down and yeah, down and down. Good, this good is point. like where it is, and she wasn't pushing herself. But like it sounded like a lot of the keys were just really well chosen. I thought for her voice. Yeah, anyway, interesting, blah, 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 interesting, blah. interesting point. I'm, uh, look, you know, this is the great thing about this podcast is um, sometimes it's not so much the number as it is the actual grade on the rating scale. And to me, I'm going to give it an Eniesta one to four, which will, which will, be, a, which will be a four. And I think... So the, certainly not peaking into album of the year. No, territory. but the point, the point, the, the reason I'm giving it an Eniesta is similarly to Martin Tyler's commentary that like, you're like, bro, it's 119th minute. And it's like the winning goal, and you're just kind of like, Eniesta! Yeah. And it's sort of a bit sleepy. That was kind of my vibe on this. So it's uh, it's more... I mean, it's hard to say whether I'm reviewing Martin Tyler or Little Dragon at this point in time, but <laughs> yes. I put this in the one to four category. I'm going to give it a four out of ten Eniesta. Look, I reckon, Arik, that after we finish this pod tonight, we should just like crank it up on the monitors in the studio just, I'd love to do just, that just for a couple of songs and just like we can have a re- rethink on it oh that's a great idea so we have a four and and then we've got across the board uh, eights and eights so that six is to eights, yeah. six to eights that is um, Little Dragon's new record which title is come on Eric New Me Same Us New Me Same Us Final album we have for you this evening is local artist, well, Darwin native artist Leah Flanagan's album "Color by Number." Arik, thanks, was so. Leah Flanagan is a singer-songwriter from Darwin, Northern Territory, currently based in Sydney. Leah has released two albums and has toured extensively through Australia with her music and as part of the as part of festival ensembles. She's also appeared on Australian TV shows "Spicks" and "Specs." Flanagan studied classical music at the Elder Conservatorium of Music in Adelaide and has collaborated with Sinead O'Connor, Michelle D'Angelo, poet Sam Wagen-Watson, the Black Armband, Paul Kelly and Ursula Jovic and recorded a duet with Marlon Williams of Archie Roach's I've Lied. Mm. She's featured on the ABC's Spicks and Specs, as I mentioned before, and SBS's Rockwiz, as well as the production of 1967 music in the key of Yes, alongside Dan Sultan, Adelita, and Ursula Lovich. Flanagan is a uh, singer-songwriter, uh, originally from Darwin, identifies as biracial due to her Aboriginal Aliyaware Ali and Italian, Venetian, and Irish heritage. And uh, she's 
basically put out this new record, um, which we are looking at today, and it is called Color by Numbers. I might start. Mm. Um, you know, we've spoken about this again, you know, a number of times, just around that, you know, genre kind of favoritism of sorts that comes with being in an echo chamber with Waza because we, we listen to very similar music oh, yeah. often. I guess so, yep. Um, I listened to this and I think the, the thing that initially grabbed me was the tempo of the whole record just had this kind of lullness that... What was that record that we... Uh, Gill, oh, Gillian Welsh? Gillian Welsh? Oh, really? I was going to say Geordie, maybe. Oh, not Geordie. Geordie, uh, but just Geordie. that... It's, it's got that we sort did of with like, Chip. Yeah, it's got that low to mid-tempo... Hannah Gogus. Yeah, that Hannah mid... Sorry, that, that low to mid-tempo yeah. kind of feel. And uh, it just... It, like, it invites you to listen to the actual songs. Yes. Um, and the lyrical content. And the lyrical content. Yep. So... Like I think, you know, in in the world of like uh, a music review podcast, I think, you know, we could I could probably sort of say that sometimes I'm just sort of I'm I'm so kind of just attracted. I'm listening to four songs, four albums in a row, and I've got to, I need some ear candy to just like catch me straight away. So for me, I feel as though at, like as a listener, I needed a bit more time with this record. I, I think it's one of those things that you need to really sit with for a little while longer um lee's songwriting asks you know invites you to ask the questions and understand the stories um so i, I guess that's sort of my disclaimer in so much as i thought it was really it sounded brilliant i, I love the vocal performance um but i'm yet i i i, I listened to it twice and i haven't yet found the song that is like that's the song of the record um so, you know, I'd be curious to see your both of your takes on the record in so much as like, is it something that, is it, is it a grower? Is it like, not, did it knock you out straight away? What, what, are, what are people's thoughts? Um, I'll go if it's okay. Um, so like this, this album was recommended to us again by Liz Stringer, who, who, um, uh, who said it was worth checking out. And uh, yeah, it came out in November last year. And when I was looking through the album charts for albums of the year this was mentioned in a couple of the local ones um so yeah i was interested to check it out so like like i don't know about you guys but like i had no idea i, I i've never heard of leah flanagan before um and i didn't know what i was going to be listening to and that's like, i always find that a bit exciting it's like you know it's like like what i do with movies as well like don't tell me anything about movies like apart from maybe that it's good or bad like but i don't want to know anything so i always get excited when i sort of you know have no idea what i'm listening to so like i thought the strings that opened up the album were gorgeous and then Leah's vocal hit and that was beautiful um who does who does she remind you of when she sings like i can't put my finger on it but like ah uh, it sounds it's really familiar her 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 voice um but I love I love that opening track, um, and the string arrangement was awesome. Um, I really like that funky sort of pick guitar part, mm. which was which was over, and I thought that was a nice touch, and I thought it helped drive the track. Um, Linen Girls um, had a really cool sort of eighties vibe to it, um, like it sort of felt like a bit like a Hall and Oates album track, which I thought was kind of interesting. And then uh, Starlight had sort of like a 
you know, um, an early 90s American singer-songwriter indie pop sort of vibe, which I really liked. Um, I thought certain, on the album, I thought certain songs were stronger than others and and maybe there was a slight disconnect at times and I found that I sort of maybe skipped a few songs in the middle like um, Aralia and Bluebells. But like I sort of thought it got back on track with Broken and was really strong to the end. Um, as you said, I really like the sonic quality of this album. Um, I really, really like really well well recorded. Yeah, it's really it it sort of remind me of the um the the husky album a little bit like sort of had that sort of sonic quality to it. Um, I loved how her vocals sat right out the front of yep. the mix. Um, and her lyrics were like were center stage like throughout the whole album. Um, especially on tracks like Broken, so you could really sort of understand what was going on. And that was like apparently. Um, a track about like her hip dysplasia, um, and I really like the male choir BVs on that track as well, which was really cool and sort of gave a really nice counterpoint to her voice. So, look, it, like it was really, it was a really nice listen. Um, um, yeah, as I said, like I thought I, I got a little bit lost in the middle, um, and I thought some of this, yeah. I, but overall, I thought it was a it was a really nice album, and I really loved her voice throughout the thing. So that that was what I took home from this. I think I like you. I probably need to give it a couple more listens, yep. possibly, to just connect with it a little bit more. But yeah, it was it was great, Andrew. Uh, look, I think that I I really liked this record. I think it was another Sunday morning record. You basically leaning towards the fact that like every day in your <laughs> life Sunday is Sunday morning. morning. Oh, I wish it would be nice, but no. Um, I think, look, it's a lovely record. It's when you get some time to just you know have some coffee and listen to some music and um, love the production on this record. Really was amazing. I had yeah. to deep dive a little bit to find out about it. Um, there wasn't a lot out? happening in the credits. Out? Yeah, what did you find out? Uh, Sarah. Belkner? Sarah Belkner. Belkner was the producer. So the, I'm, that would then... The, uh, there's a studio actually in Sydney. Her, is she partners with Richie Belkner? I believe she is. Right. And she's an absolute maestro. I think she plays in multiple different bands. And there's a studio in... It's actually in the inner west of Sydney. I'm going to look for it right now because if Sarah's produced it, then I can... Guarantee it was here. Just letting the listeners know that Free RX Internet's quite slow. Energy Device Studios. Right. Um, yeah, look, I had a look on Leah's Bandcamp page. There wasn't a lot of um, no. credits there, and there wasn't much credits in Spotify things, so there might be something to look at just to uh, help the listener. <laughs> yeah. uh, who The interested listener. Uh, yes. I, I not, not meant as a criticism, but it would be... Uh, I agree, yeah. It's I just nice it's to have that stuff. I'd like to know who the producers are, who who played on the record. Especially when it sounds who, so good. Who the like, songwriter does. It was it so was, amazing. Just FYI, it, I can verify right here. Yes, it was recorded for Energy Device. Right. Co-written with Sarah Belkner. Right. Well, it's just... Featuring the wonderful studio band of Tim Koenig, Evan Mannell, oh, Dave Rodriguez, Darren Percival. Oh, there you go. And Jerula Slab. So it obviously says more to your research for this than uh, than it does anything else, I think. Andrew well, I just wanted... I, I, no, well, it's because the records sound so good yeah. that I wanted to um, just learn a little bit more about the string arrangements and the and the production. Yeah. Uh, I think the production on this album is standout. Um, I only uh, was able to listen to the record a couple of times, unfortunately. I would like to have listened to it a few more times before tonight. But um, I think it's a lovely record. It's, I think it's a triumphant set of songs. Um, the production's fantastic. 
and um, yeah, would recommend. Mate, there's, I mean, we've listened to some cracking Indigenous albums over the last sort of 12 months, haven't we? Like, well, so well, much. Yeah, I think there's a real... Um, yeah, I bet, you know, I guess argue you could you there there could the one argument could say it's always been there, but potentially the lens has shifted yes. with a with a stronger focus and more awareness around that work. Yeah. One could also potentially posit that, you know, a new generation is coming through that are just smashing it. Um whatever whatever it is, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's um so yeah, and again, once again just another Another great example of the kind of, you know, amazing songwriting we've got in this country and, you know, hopefully we'll start to get out beyond beyond uh, just, you know, these borders and move to the wider world and universe. So why don't we score this uh, this, this record? Um, I might go first. Um, I'm going to... We're going to go back to the Martin Tyler unofficial podcast sponsor scoring scale and I am going to give this a Martial which is uh, sorry my bad I'm going to give it a Gerard a Gerard 6 to 10 I'll give it a 7 out of 10 6 to 10 6 to 8 7 out of 10 <laughs> yeah okay 6 to 10 is good though that's sorry 6 to 8 7 out of 10 that's my score 7 yep um, I think I'm going to go same I think I'm going to go 6.5 Stevie Gerard um Man, he's the potential here. I think, like, like he, yeah. I'm really interested to see where where this artist goes um, moving forward. Absolutely, six and a half. I'm going to give Color by Number fifteen Agueros. Fifteen Agueros. That's that's a hundred and fifty. See what yeah. happens when we Great get record. someone like this with a guest like this in, like it skews the stats just out of whack, and it just it's like true. makes it really hard at well, the end of the year. Maybe you just need fairer people on, on <laughs> as a guest. Just you know, fairer people who are not wanting to rip into everything. No, uh, we're not ripping. It's not I ripping. just celebrate no, just artistry. Like it is. Just fantastic. Absolutely. Great record. I love that. That's great. So we've got so Andrew. Like really, like this. This should be the person who hosts and is hosting a, a podcast. Like all music is good. I agree. Because or all telethon. music is good, and or all telethon. music is or a tens. Telethon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I mean, look, fifteen out of ten. I mean, we can work with that. That's um, yeah, fifteen Aguero. So a hundred and fifty out of ten from Andrew. <laughs> Um, we've got a 6.5, so Was is really, you know, 6.5 out of 10. I loved her voice. That's a beautiful yeah, voice. It really is a beautiful voice. And I'm actually, I really want to go back and now look at all those collabs. And I want to know what was that Sinead O'Connor collab all about? Yeah. That would be pretty awesome to check out. And a six and a half out from me. Um, that is Leah Flanagan's Color Colors by, by Number. Col- color by Number. So and it gets us to the final moments, the countdown, so to speak. Yes, well, the Sunday morning countdown. <laughs> the Sunday morning countdown. I guess, you know, most importantly, we'd love to thank Mr. Sunday Morning himself. Mr. Jackfruit Burger. Mr. Jackfruit yeah. Burger, Mr. Sunday Morning himself, Andrew Fuller. Thank, thank you, you so much. much for coming along today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very um, much. We look forward to, uh, you know, seeing you once again back in the studio and uh, and seeing you know all of the arts that you support continue to flourish and thrive and 
you know. <laughs> because when they flourish. Because when they flourish, I get work <laughs> in my studio. That is true. But um, <laughs> since I have done work for both of you, yes. um, I hope to see your faces again. Yes. <laughs> we, we all win. When you, we win, you win, and we all win. It's a win-win. It's 85 jackfruit burgers all around. <laughs> yeah, 85 <laughs> jackfruit burgers. Was uh, thank you so much once again for uh, steering the ship Arik. through the choppy waters of uh, of you know fuck another border closure. Arik, here here's to two hour podcasts in 2021. Here's two, here's the two hours. Let's, I think we're going to do three. Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. We you know we will try harder for three, but I think two is where we're gonna land this year. Here's to two-hour podcast. Thank you again for the listeners tuning in. This has been the All Music Is Good podcast. We will see you next week.